Scripture text this evening is from the book of Romans, chapter 5. We will look at verses 15 through 17. Romans 5, beginning in verse 15. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. The word of God. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we seek your help. We thank you, Lord, for an evening blessing, for the opportunity to gather and worship you, to know, O Lord, in spite of our imperfections, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite, indeed, of our sins and rebellion, that we have righteousness before you because of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have the earnest of our inheritance in your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you are patient with us and you minister to us, And so, Father, we seek to continue worshiping you this evening. We ask for your help. I pray, O God, that you would bless me in the preaching of the word. Pray, O Father, that you would help us to hear, and in hearing, believe, and in believing, be saved. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, in our last look at Romans in chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, we saw that in Adam's fall, we sinned all. And Adam brought into the world two great evils with his fall. The first evil is sin, and the second is death. So in Adam's fall, all mankind was judged sinners, and sin passed on to all mankind, and all mankind became sinners, and all mankind were judged guilty, therefore subject to death. So in Adam's fall, we sinned all here in Romans chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, we see that your redemption is actually greater than your fall. Mankind has fallen from a very great height. Nevertheless, the redemption offered to us in Jesus Christ is actually greater than that fall. So it is in that way that the gift is not like the offense. Verses 15 through 17 are a contrast between redemption and the fall, in which redemption is shown to be the greater of the two. Verse 15, if you notice, begins with the contrast, but the free gift is not like the offense. This contrast is indicated again in verse 16, but the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Thus far, the apostle has been setting Adam and Christ alongside each other, showing how each of them serves as a representative, how the action of each of them had determinative effects for those underneath their headship. 
There are in Scripture three principal imputations, three reckonings that take place. The first of those is the reckoning of Adam's sin to all mankind. The second is the reckoning of the elect's sin unto Jesus Christ. And then the third is the reckoning of Jesus Christ's righteousness to those who believe. And so we see now that there is this comparison between Adam and Christ, and the apostle wants to distinguish now. There are ways in which they are parallel, but there are also ways in which they differ. The free gift mentioned in verse 15 refers simply to the gift of redemption and all that's involved in it. This is taught to us by Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the gift which the apostle is speaking of here is the gift of redemption. The work of Jesus Christ, the work of the Father sending Jesus Christ, the work of the Spirit in redemption, all of the work of God in redemption is the gift, as well as the benefits that you receive in redemption. That's all the gift, all right? The offense, of course, refers back to Adam's fall, which was discussed above in verses 12 through 14. The phrase, much more, appears here in verse 17, excuse me, 15, then again in verse 17. It's a comparative. It's a showing that what follows it is greater than what preceded it, and that will become clearer as we go along. I want to set before you now several reasons why your redemption is greater than your fall. First of all, Redemption is greater than the fall because God's grace is greater than man's sin. God's grace is greater than man's sin. And this is the second half of verse 15. If by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. You see, the fall... And its punishments were the result of man's sin and God's justice according to the terms of the covenant of works. Adam was placed in a covenant of works whereby he could keep his life by perfect and perpetual personal obedience to the revealed will of God. So by one man's offense, the many died. In the fall, man received the just reward of his activity. His sin justly brought death. Redemption, however, is the result entirely of God's grace and the gracious act of Christ towards fallen men. And we read that here, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Understand that the mere fact of redemption presupposes the fall, doesn't it? We don't need to be redeemed if we are unfallen. But if man were not fallen, he would have no use for a redeemer. And if the redemption of fallen man were to take place, it could only come from God's unmerited favor towards sinners who don't deserve it. How can I say that? Well, 
If we are fallen in need of redemption, we cannot possibly have any standing before God by which we could obtain our own redemption. Therefore, it is entirely on the basis of God's grace. If we are to be redeemed, it must be by God's gracious condescension, his unmerited kindness and favor to us. Now, it is true that the measure of grace needed for our redemption must exceed the debt of sin from which we are redeemed. You, you cannot pay a debt unless you have at least enough to pay for it. So the, the debt that man incurred in Adam's fall must be met by an equal or greater amount of grace from God in order to redeem mankind. As we read in Psalm 49, verse 8, the redemption of souls is costly. It is not a small thing. Oftentimes we discuss the fall of mankind and sin and and redemption and righteousness and all these things. And we don't consider what it is that the, the creator had to give his only son to purchase back rebellious creatures. And the redemption of souls is costly. That cost, as you well know, was paid by Jesus Christ. Now, you see the word many here in verse 15. The first many refers to those who fell in Adam. And then the second many refers to those who are redeemed in Christ. We read of this, by the way, in Isaiah chapter 53. In our scripture reading is in verse 11. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So the cost paid for the redemption of mankind was nothing other than the blood of the righteous servant. As we saw above, man's debt was great, but Christ's payment was greater still. We will later on read in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where sin abounded... Grace abounded much more. You see, Adam passed to his progeny a strong and deadly poison. But Christ is an antidote that is stronger still. And so the first reason that your redemption is greater than the fall is that the grace of God is greater than the sin of man. In one sense, you could put it this way. The activity, the work of God is greater than the work of man. Adam's sin was indeed his work, wasn't it? It is what he earned in his sin. Death is what he earned by his sin. A second reason is that many offenses are greater than one offense. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not great at math, but I was able to figure this one out. Many offenses are greater than one offense. And we see this in verse 16. The fall, your fall and my fall, came from just one offense. One sin. The first sin by Adam. The judgment which came from one offense. And this judgment, of course, refers to God's judgment of mankind in Adam. Right? It begins with Adam, where are you? And ends with, surely you shall die. 
The word offense is sometimes translated as a misstep, walking out of the way, getting off the path, right, crossing the line. And if you think about it, that's really the scope of it, isn't it? It was one failure, one misstep, one instance of disobedience to God that brought condemnation into the world. Now, the redemption mentioned here comes from many offenses. But the free gift, which we say is redemption, came from many offenses. The many offenses refers not just to Adam's offenses, of course, but to all of the offenses from Adam to all of his children. All of mankind's personal sins and actual sins and heart sins and all of mankind's sins all the way from the fall of Adam up to even right now. Many offenses. It is obvious to us that an offense should lead to condemnation. Even though we may not enjoy that, we recognize the justice behind it. That if there's a law and you transgress the law, that leads to condemnation. But why should God justify anyone after many offenses? Many offenses should have been met with much more condemnation. According to justice, that the accumulation of sins should be answered by God giving a free gift is remarkable. Many offenses are greater than one offense, but it was on the heels of many offenses that your Redeemer laid down his life for you. This speaks of the remarkable kindness and love of your God. At one time, God destroyed the whole world in a flood because of man's sin. And yet, he preserved eight people. And he preserved those eight people in order that he could one day send a Savior who would pay for the sins of all people. But if you see God's judgment in that flood, how for sin, God is perfectly happy to destroy the whole world, save for eight people. And yet that same God is perfectly happy to send his son into that world to pay for those sins. Many offenses are far greater than one offense. Here is another reason, a third reason. Your redemption is greater because justification is greater than condemnation. This is also in verse 16. We saw that the fall resulted in condemnation. The judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. Condemnation means to be given over to the penalty, right? To be damned, to be subject to death both here on earth and forever in hell. Redemption, meanwhile, resulted in justification. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in justification. Now, in justification, remember, we are pardoned not only from the guilt of original sin, Adam's sin, 
but also from all of our personal sins, which we have added on top of that. More than that, I want you to consider this, that in justification, man is not only restored to what we call the state of innocence. In other words, when God created Adam, Adam was righteous. He was basically good. That's the state of innocence. He had true holiness and knowledge of God. When Adam fell, humanity slid into the state of sin and misery. When you look around the world today and you wonder what's wrong with it, it's because the world is in the state of sin and misery. But in justification, God did not simply bring us back to that state of innocence and put us back in Adam's place. If he had done that, put us back in the garden, as it were, innocent, we would forever be subject to the terms of that same covenant, and by one offense, we would lose it all again. And we would enter into condemnation for one sin. Do you see the difference between the state of grace in which we exist and the state of innocence? In the state of grace, we are reckoned righteous in Jesus Christ, never to be condemned again. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, says Paul in Romans 8, 1. And so you see the work of justification is actually greater than the work of condemnation. Here is a fourth reason. Redemption is greater than the fall because life is greater than death. Verse 17 says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. We read earlier that death reigned from Adam to Moses and then the law was given. And as you know, death continues to reign today. But the redeemed, it says, will reign in life. Let me ask you, which do you think is the greater work? To kill or to give life? Do you recognize that any man can kill, any man can take life, any man can destroy? But what man among us can give life to something that's dead? And it's not just to create life ex nihilo, out of nothing, but rather to take something that is dead and unclean and make it alive again. And that is precisely what God has done. Now, the redeemed are those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. That's in verse 17. And they are corresponding to the many in verse 15, the many who, to whom the grace abounds. Mothers, let me ask you this. Which is easier to do? To mess up the house or to clean the house? You see the principle at work here. It is much easier to mess things up, to destroy, to, to disorder things. And it is a much greater work and a much a uh, more noteworthy thing to, to make something clean and good and new and right. 
And that's exactly what is taking place in your redemption. Now, the effectiveness, the power, and the generosity of God's grace in all of this is not only that is death's reign. Remember, death is personified. Death reign. This, this terror, this death looming over, this casting a shadow on humanity. But not only is death's reign replaced by life, but if you look carefully, it's that the recipients shall themselves reign. Do you see that in verse 17? It is not just that life will reign, but the recipients of the righteousness will reign in life. That is to say, those who are redeemed will be the ones who reign. So it's like we will gain the upper hand over death. Christ conquers death for us, and then we will reign. Now notice that will reign is actually in the future tense. It speaks of something yet to come. In Christ, we have moved from the state of sin and misery to the state of grace, and we will finally move to what is called the state of glory. The state of glory is that eternal state where we will forever reign in life. You see, in Christ, we gain far more than we lost in Adam. Fifth, redemption is greater than the fall because Jesus Christ is greater than Adam. Redemption is greater than the fall because Jesus Christ is greater than Adam. And the fall was obtained by Adam, whereas redemption was gained by Jesus Christ. If you've been paying attention, you you notice several contrasts between the one and the one, and it's contrasting Adam and Christ. And we see in verse 15, by Adam, many died. By Christ, grace abounds to many. In verse 16, through Adam, men are condemned. Through Christ, men are condemned justified. Through Adam, death reigned. Through Christ, the righteous reign in life. Verse 17. John Calvin put it this way, Christ is more powerful to save than Adam was to ruin. Now, Adam, by his offense, brought two great evils into this world, and you know them well and personally. He brought sin and death. And these evils passed on to all of Adam's seeds, spreading to all mankind, including you, including your children, including every other human being you have ever met. However, the Lord Jesus Christ, by his grace, has brought righteousness and life. So in contrast to the sin and the death, Christ has brought righteousness and life into the world. These things are not naturally occurring, as it were. These things were brought into the world by the Son of God from outside the world. And these benefits are extended or given to all of Christ's seed, even those who believe in him. Beloved, the gift is not like the offense. In fact, the gift is greater than the offense, just as Christ is greater than Adam. If Christ is your Redeemer, then your redemption is far, far greater than your fall. Let us pray. Almighty God, we praise you for Christ, our Redeemer. 
Oh, Lord, we confess we are not worthy of your grace, but that's what makes it grace. That's what makes it beautiful. That is what makes our redemption attainable to us. That you, O oh God, condescended, that you stooped down and gave undeserving favors to wicked people. That you, O oh God, are the one who justifies the ungodly. We ask, O Lord, that you would forgive us our sins, that we, your people, would exalt your mighty name, that we would never tire of praising the Lord Jesus Christ for his grace and our redemption. We ask these things in his precious name. Amen.